word of prayer. We'll read these first 19 verses and then we'll pick up the speed. Father, when I hear the words of that song, The Power of the Cross, uh, Father, um, it's so overwhelming. Lord, when I think that you leaving heaven to come to redeem us, to pay a penalty that we could not pay. And yet, Father, just for the sake of it, to redeem us. Father, then I read this text of a church that is struggling, the church in Corinth. And Father, how you make it clear, very, very clear, uh, that uh, we are not to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And not only are we not to be ignorant, but we are to be busy exercising. And Father, I pray that we who are called by your name, we who have looked at your book, have drawn deep to the wisdom of the ages, rest the assurance that you accomplish in us that you have called us to. Father, I praise you for this time. Praise you for your word. And I pray now that you would teach us, set aside preconceived notions, and let us hear your words in your name. Amen. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets, so the church may receive edifying. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in a tongue, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Yet even lifeless things, either the flute or the harp, will produce a sound. If they do not produce a distinction in the tones, How will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter with the tongues, by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will speak to one who speaks as a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how then, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at you giving thanks since he does not know what you're saying. For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. We're looking at the gift of tongues, and basically what you have in chapter 14 is the comparison of the gift of tongues to the gift of prophecy. And that's really the essence of the text. And it's coming on the heels of a more excellent way. 
The more excellent way is to pursue love, to chase after love. You can break this down in the importance of the gift of tongues in the first 19 verses, the intent of the gift of tongues in verses 20 through 25, and the instruction for the use of tongues in verses 26 through 40. Okay, but today we're going to focus on verses 1 through 5. We are looking at, and first and foremost, you've got to remember, a carnal church. We are looking at a church that is looking for experience, that is looking for glory, uh, what I call spiritual show-offs. Their ego had gotten in their way. The church had married the system of pagan religion in the society in which they lived in. And this pagan religion was there for the stimulating of feelings, the stimulating of emotions, and it it was all based on the senses, the sensuality. Okay, and they were basically not thinking with their minds. And, and uh, as the word instructs us, and he, you know, I, in just these verses, you read it. And he says, I would speak five words with my mind so as I can instruct others. Then 10,000 words in a tongue, in a language. All right. And, and, and <clears throat> I see this a lot, to be honest with you. The church today in America in, in bulk has bought experience, all right, uh, senses. Uh, I want to feel God. And, and, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons, all right? Uh, probably the greatest reason is a complete misunderstanding, a lack of understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what does He do. Uh, for the most part, the average Christian is completely clueless. And then you have a, 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 the group who's, who's afraid of the Holy Spirit because of the, um, the quote-unquote experiential movement. Um, and the Holy Spirit gets blamed for all kinds of silliness. Um, I want to read you a quote that I got out of a, a Pentecostal pamphlet speaking on... I'll just read it to you. It should speak for itself. What is scary about this is that it's published. Okay. This is a quote. Finally, I went to the mission at 328 West 63rd Street, Chicago, and I asked one question. Why do I not receive the baptism? And what is the matter with me? The good friends prayed with me and said nothing was wrong. I only needed to wait, praise the Lord. And they were right. For the first time, I knelt at the altar on a Sunday afternoon, March the 17th, and the power began to seize me, and I laughed all through the following communion service and into the evening till about 11 p.m., I knelt with a few of the friends praying for me and the elder placed his hands on my head for a short time and several times in that afternoon and evening and after some little waiting, I began to laugh or rather my body was used to laugh with an increasing power until I was flat on my back laughing at the top of my voice for over a half an hour on raising... I found that I was drunk on the new wine, acting like a drunken man in many ways and full of joy. On kneeling to meet the Lord again, I was suddenly seized with an irresistible power of berserking and of groaning that I could not utter, asking the Lord to have mercy on me, a sinner, and telling him that I wanted to go all the way with him. The power of this praying was too great for me to endure, and suddenly my eyes opened to see the elder standing a few feet away from me as as though he had been struck. I was relieved in a few seconds and straight up in the air screaming glory at the top of my voice, Again kneeling, my eyes grew dark and I rolled over to the floor, lying there for some time, nearly unconscious, and then coming to at kneeling, and I felt 
my jaws and my mouth began to work in a strange force, and in a few seconds, some baby gibberish was uttered. Then a few words in Chinese that I understood, then several sentences in a strange tongue. This turned into singing, and I did not again speak in tongues until Wednesday, three days later. Unquote. What is that? It's emotionalism. It's the senses. It is experience. It is a blending of the pagan religions to draw people to God, they say. Okay? Listen, I want you to understand something. Anytime that God does something... Please understand that the enemy comes in with a counterfeit quickly. Quickly. Anytime God is working. And one of the things that I want you to see is that the importance of the gift of tongues is this. It is secondary. It is secondary. What you just heard there, what I just read there, I'm going to ask you one question. In light of chapter 14, how much edification is coming out of that? Who is going to be strengthened out of that? You know, the guy that's going through the experience is not going to be strengthened through it. He doesn't even know what he's doing. There is absolutely no point in it. And yet, what is it that you see being pursued? So when I look at the importance of the gift of languages or the gift of tongues, it is secondary. It is secondary. All right. Its intent was for a sign, and we see that there was a system for it to be used in and to be utilized in. And in these first five verses, we see the reasons that it is secondary. They were not for the whole. They are not for the body. They are not for the church. Do you understand that? The gift of tongues is not for the church because it has no ability whatsoever to strengthen, to build up anybody. It is, boy, it, 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 you could leave it right there and say, well, then what's the point of it? Now, there is a point for it because he says here, I want you to desire In your pursuit of love, there's nothing wrong with desiring spiritual gifts. Especially what? Prophecy. Especially prophecy. Why? Because prophecy is for everybody. It is for the church. See, the church comes together. It is for the edification. If you look at chapter 14, verse 31, but... For you can all prophesy one by one so that all what? All may learn and all may be exhorted. I want you to all prophesy one at a time so it isn't like a a Southern Baptist business meeting. One at a time, all right, so that all may learn and all will be exhorted. Be strengthened up. When you see the word edify, understand this phrase, build up, build up. See, Corinth had lost this and I'm afraid and I fear that the church today has also lost this. I look at the church today and listen, I don't have to go look at the charismatic, the experiential people. I can look at the evangelical body today and I don't see the church seeking love. I do not see the church, individuals gathered together to strengthen other people. I don't see that. I really don't. He says, seek love, not to show off, run after love, pursue love. And love, I can summarize in one statement there, chapter 13, verse 5, it does not seek its own. It does not seek its own. And if you look at the body of Christ today, the average Christian today... Just run around here in Castle Rock. What is their primary focus? Self. And we, we will manifest and say, well, I'm more concerned about my family. 
Well, the church is your family. Jesus even said, if you're not willing to forsake your fathers and your mothers for me, you're not worthy of me. What? But, but we're family. But you're missing it. I do not seek my own. He says here in verse 2, he says, the one who speaks in a language does not speak to men, but to, and a literal definite article is not there. It should be a small g, to a God. And God, listen, does not need you to minister some gift to him. I mean, it's a sarcastic statement. God is complete. He doesn't need your gift. He doesn't need you to minister to him with your gift. Why? Who is your gift for? Men. People. See, the gifts are for other humans. God doesn't need them. Your gift, whatever your gift is, the blending that the gift that that the Holy Spirit says, you will need this, is for the saints of God. It's not for your co-workers. If you work in a secular realm, it ain't got nothing to do with your abilities to work in an office. It ain't got nothing to do with your abilities to type. It ain't got nothing to do with your abilities to problem solve. Your spiritual gift is for the building up, the strengthening of the saints that God has put in your life. Our gifts are for others. And see, when you think about it, he had to say, I will show you a more excellent way at the end of chapter 12. Then he gives the definition or describes what love looks like. And then he says, you need the more excellent way is to what? Pursue love. Because the church in Corinth did not have it. Everyone was seeking for themselves. It was a very self-serving church, which describes the church in America today. You go through the epistles, it's not a prayer language. You go through all the epistles, you go through all through all of scriptures, and you can read all the prayers. You do not have to have an interpreter. The Corinthians, like so many, were desiring the showy things. And and I see this today uh, with this gift or this counterfeit is what it is. Um, Tongues is used as a badge of spirituality. You read it in that guy's dissertation that I just gave you. How come I don't have this? What's wrong with me? And then I got it. Okay, and then you end up with a whole bunch of have and have nots. The church in Corinth had missed the point. The church, like so many today, were seeking its own. I mean, do you see what he says here? His spirit speaks mysteries. Okay, one who speaks in a tongue, verse 4, what does it say he does? One who speaks in a tongue, what does he do? He builds up himself. When you see edify, it means to build up. One who is doing tongues in the church is what? Showing off. Showing off. The one who prophesies, verse 3, speaks to men. And when you speak forth the word of God, you can know that you will accomplish edification. You know what that is. You will build up those who hear. Exhortation. You will literally change their lifestyles. And consolation. No matter what tragedy, no matter what agony, no matter what turmoil is in their lives, when you speak forth the word of God, you will comfort them. And you may not even know you're doing it. See, that's what we should come to church for. Why do we come to church? Ask yourself that simple question. Now, some of you say, because my mom and dad make me. Okay. But the, the, the truth of the matter is, why do I come to church? There's got to be a reason for me to come to church. Football season's over. What else do you want me to do on Sunday? But I see this. Why do I go to church? 
And most of the people who are in church, why do they go? For self. What is here for me? You know, and it could be any number of things. I mean, it can be that I, that I need a singles ministry or it can be that, you know, I need some kind of handout for food or clothing or, or I want this or I need this and stuff. And you know what? That's part of stuff there. But if you're a believer, you go to church for one reason. I want to be built up. And there's only one thing that builds up. One thing. And that is the word. And, and when you ex, how many of us, you know, I, I, I'm curious. I wonder how many in this room know what their spiritual gift is. That'd be a good question, probably. But then the second part of that gift or that question would be this. Are you using it for the strengthening, for the building up of other saints? Because that's what it's for. One who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. I mean, it's all in one, one package deal. I like that you can proclaim the word of God one time and accomplish all three things at one time. And I have seen this over and over again. But look what he says in verse 4. One who speaks in a tongue does what? Edifies himself. One who prophesies does what? Edifies the church. So do you see when I say here that the gift of tongues is secondary because it's not for the whole. It doesn't do anything for the church. Truth of the matter is, if you find somebody who's walking around with their great big badge on their collar and says, I have a prayer language. Okay? Well, what do you pray? Well, I don't understand it. Then what good is it? How strong are you getting out of praying something that you don't even know what you're saying? Okay? Do you see what Paul is doing here? He, he isn't hiding this thing. Well, you know, I have a prayer language. I go to my little prayer thing and I, and I pray, pray quiet. What, what, what are you praying for? Well, I don't know. All right, I mean, when Jesus was in the garden talking to the Father, you've got deity speaking to deity. What did he say? Take this cup from me if there be another way. He said it in such a way that somebody could write it down. Let me ask you a question. Which is more important, self or the church? Well, we say that. But the question is, what do you do with your gift? Because you can take this on any gift. Am I using the gift for self or am I using the gift for church? Because you, you can look at it and say, well, tongues, I don't have no prayer language. I do. It's American. Okay, but you you take any gift that you have, what is it for? Edification of the saints for the work of ministry. Building up the saints so they will serve. That's what his gift is for. I don't care what the gift is. They all go to that focus. Whether it's a serving gift or a speaking gift, they all have one focus. One focus. See, the whole point of the chapter is the edification of the church. And edifying self is not the point. You're already edifying yourselves. You're a bunch of show-offs. No gift is for the individual. The gift is poured into the individual and the power of the Holy Spirit for the whole. Whatever the gift is. And what he's saying in these first five verses is, even if you've got the biblical gift of languages, you've got it. It's real. It is not for the church. That's amazing. We've already touched on what it's for. It was a sign. It was a sign of judgment against Israel. That's what it was for. 
All right. But yet God is still so gracious and so merciful that when he uses the gift of tongues in an individual, he was smart enough to say, I have the gift of interpretations here in this individual so that the saints will be built up. That's how important the church is to to him. Did you know that? That's amazing. Everything God does is for the strengthening of the saints for the work of ministry. I find that fascinating. Even to the point that you interpret. He says here, pray that you can interpret if you speak in tongues. Why? Because you won't even be strengthened. I mean... If I had the gift of tongues and I immediately began speaking Swahili, it would do me absolutely no good. Now, if there was somebody in here from Swaziland, he'd be a happy camper. And he'd say, truly, this man is from God. But I wouldn't know what I'm saying. There were people standing up in the church and... Corinth claiming in a ecstatic language that Jesus Christ was accursed. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I see people who get into this gibberish stuff and I don't know what they're saying. And you know what's really bizarre is they don't know what they're saying. See, no gift is for itself. If a person takes a gift and turns it to self-use, he or she has prostituted that gift. Anytime you take your gift and you use it for yourself, you have adulterated that gift. He says there in verse 4, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. What was the whole issue? You need to be edifying the church. One who prophesies does what? Edifies the church. And, and you know, it's just, just as simple as looking at it this way. When I see a gift exercise, is it for self or is it for the church? Which is better? Listen, tongues is useless. Having a foreign language is useless for the edification of the church. If I could speak fluent Russian right now, it ain't going to do me any good until I get to Russia. It's not for the whole. Listen, nobody knows what you're saying. You know what? Nor does the person speaking. When the true gift of tongues was used. Even if the the thing that is amazing about this text is that even if the real gift were used, it won't edify anybody. Verse 5, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets. So that what? So I, I can say that tongues is secondary. Tongues is even behind interpretation. The person with the gift of interpretation, guess what? He can at least do what? Strengthen, build up the church. But the one who speaks in a tongue without interpretation does what? Builds up self. You know what that is, right? Strokes the ego. Look, I have this spiritual bed. I have a prayer language. Or I can speak in a static language. Or I can do that. You see, you can hear that underlying at that transcript that I just read to you. The guy wanted to do something. I want this. And what was the point of it? There was no point. It didn't strengthen him for the task at hand. He just seen people doing it. And he says, why well, come I ain't got the baptism? The church may be edified. When you think about this, because, you know, there's times I watch people, <clears throat> they struggle with what is my gift or how does my gift operate? Or and they go down to this big old long thing. And, and the question is, is simply this. I've had people ask me, what do you believe my gift is? Well, until you are not seeking your own, I don't know what your gift is. It's just that simple. Because see, when a person steps into the realm of love, and, and love moves out of that, not seeking its own, when a person steps into that and out of that, well, you will see the moving of the spirit of the living God. 
Then you're going to see what their gift is. Normally, you will see the gift of the person because they are in love with the fellowship and whatever they're doing will be for the strengthening of this fellowship. When a person is worried about strengthening the fellowship, then guess what? You will see them exercising their spiritual gift so that the body is strengthened and built up. It is easy to see a person's gift in action. It's like fruit of the Spirit, singular. Fruit, not fruits of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Fruit of the Spirit. One fruit. What is it? Love. And out of that comes peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, and all the rest of them. All right? But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. And love does not seek its own. If it does not seek its own, then it is willing to die for the help of others without any problem. It looks at everything for the benefit of others. What is your benefit in this? God causes all things to work to the good of those who love him, Romans 8 says. Is that true? Well, then what is all things? Well, if you take it back to the little Greek, all things in the original language is all things. All things. And one of the things that you'll see on this is that it's going out. It's never drawing in. I'd give anything if the saints of God would see this. Because it would literally turn the church up on its ears. I see churches today who are trying to pack the chairs so they can hire a bunch of ministers to do the work that the body's supposed to do. That's what it's about. Why, you know what? Everybody complains about all these people are, are washing that water and down the gospel so that they can, you know, get more people in the good door. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Why? I've got to get people in here so I can get what? Ministers. That's a tragedy. Think about it. If you're truly honest with the scripture, if you're a believer, what are you? You're a minister. What's wonderful, um, when the true gift was used... It was used as a sign. God always had someone there who interpreted. Did I tell you about my buddy? Preached in big old church back east. The lady stood up and began speaking in tongues during the worship service. Very orthodox man. He believes like I believe. But it's just very, very orthodox and kind of cruising down the line. And she got up in the middle of the congregation in the middle of the worship service and began speaking in some kind of tongue. And uh, when she was done, he says, by the way, I would like to interpret. She's willing to give us $5,000 for our building project. And the whole body was built up. I don't think so. I'm not sure she was gifted. Okay, listen, when the true gift is used... Okay, the true gift of languages, it could not edify. It had no ability to edify. See, God had the gift of interpretation so that it would edify because God didn't want anything going on in the church that did not edify the church, that did not build up the church. Do you understand that? Anything you do in the church, the first question that you have to ask yourself is this simple question. Will it build up the church? Will it strengthen the church? That's the question. Ask that question right off the bat. Because if the answer is yes, then do it. Then do it. The Corinthian assembly was in chaos because of its self-centeredness. You can see that through the first 11 chapters. I mean, when they are abusing the Lord's table as a time to get drunk, I'm thinking they're a little more self-focused. What do you think? 
people doing their own thing, their own self, people trying to edify self, people trying to build up self. Okay, now I want to show you some phrases here because I want you to see what the Apostle Paul does. I watched this phrase, and this is the one that the experiential people will throw at everybody. Beginning of verse 5. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Okay? See there? We all need to be speaking in tongues. There's a church here in Castle Rock where on Mother's Day they brought out all the little darlings from their Sunday school class and all the little darlings spoke in tongues because God says, I want you to all speak in tongues. Now, some of the parents freaked out, but oh well. But I want to show you something. In chapter 8, verse 10, if someone sees you, and this is speaking of meat offered to idols, if someone sees you, who have knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened, okay, you know what that word is? Edified to eat something sacrificed to idol. Okay, so that eating meat sacrificed to idols to a weak person, you have now built up their conscience to harm. Okay, so understand this. Every time you strengthen somebody, it may not always be good. All right, but I'll show you a text because I keep that in mind because they like to say Paul says he wants us all to speak in tongues. We need to all speak in languages. All right, yeah, he does. And I think that we should all follow Paul. Okay, chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable all things are lawful but not all things what build up if you're seeking your own then what happens you're not going to strengthen anybody we looked at this early chapter 13 you can have the gifts and if you exercise the gift outside of the realm of love it's useless it will has no value to you whatsoever Do I exercise my gift because they mean something to someone else? Again, gifts are for the church. If the gifts are for the church, then the exercising of my gift will not seek my own. And you're just going to be noisy. You're just going to be noisy. Okay, but there's a text that I find fascinating uh, that a lot of people miss because they say well Paul here says I want you to all speak in tongues and you know he says all of us so that means he must be one all of us yeah he says something else about all too comes out of chapter 7 okay verse 7 and he says this yet I wish all men were even as I myself you know what that means right He wants all men to be single. Okay, so which is it? Be single or speak in tongues? Yes, be single, speaking in tongues. And that's going to do what to the church? Strengthen the church. So you see the sarcasm of the Apostle Paul? Do you really believe that Paul wants everybody to be single? No, he's just saying in the context, you know what? In what I'm doing, it's easier to be single. All right, so when I watch people read this, they read, uh, it says here he wants everybody to be. And I said, well, I think you should be single too. And that, that always influences people. See, he's already given us the bad side of this. You're just noisy if you exercise your gift outside of love. Balance these strong words with this secondary nature and the uselessness of tongues to edify. And then you understand what the true gift and the context of the gift is when he says, I want you to speak in tongues. He says this gift won't work. It will not strengthen you. It has no benefit for you. So I wish you would all speak in tongues, but I would rather that you all prophesy. Let me ask you a question. 
Do every does every Christian prophesy? Not every there is not every Christian has a gift. Ask Albert if he's got the gift of prophecy. <laughs> All right? No. Well, n- not everybody stands in front and proclaims truth. Okay? And 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 it's fine. And there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't make you a lesser Christian. And I mean, that's this is like chapter seven. It doesn't. Your marital status doesn't add to your spirituality. Well, sometimes <laughs> depends on whether you're up on the roof of the house or not. <laughs> You'll have to read that one for yourself. Okay. Chapter twelve, verse thirty. Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Okay, the structure of the sentence is the implied answer. What is the implied answer? No. No. All right, so why does Paul say this in verse 5? If they can't, easy. It's Paul's style of writing. Listen, to be single and to maintain your singleness is not a divine mandate. It's the style of the Apostle Paul. He is wishing the impossible for the sake of emphasis. He does it throughout the first Corinthian letter. Okay? But he says here, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesize. If everybody was proclaiming, wow. But guess what? That ain't going to happen either. Okay? In fact, um, you know, these people who think they've got something great going in their private prayer language and it doesn't do any good for them either. It has no edification to it. Listen, there is no learning in it. Have you ever prayed, been in a, uh, an intense time of prayer and God shows you something that you may have the information, but the real reality of it now, what if he was praying in Latin? I went to a wedding and they were praying in Latin. And I asked the lady that said next to me, what are they saying? She says, I don't know. I said, but you're repeating it. She says, well, I just memorized it. What? It was just a Latin prayer book and you memorized the prayer book. But what does it say? I don't know. Well, brilliant. I, I, yeah, I don't understand. What were you thinking? Well, never mind. You weren't. I, I want to know some of the things that are being said. When a church comes together, it should be for the proclamation of the word of God so that we will all be edified. Edified. When we come together, that should be our overwhelming desire. That should be the passion of our being. When I come together, I want the word preached. Tell me what the book says. When the church comes together, it should be coming together here to word. But we also have to be careful. When we come together, we have to watch and prevent religious religiosity or pagan forms to infiltrate the true work of God's church. And I see it all over the place. Orthodox people, conservative people that believe the Bible, buying everything that comes down the pike and trying to add it through thinking that it's going to be better. And we got little names for them, and we got little accolades for them, and we got little systems for them, and you can buy a little workbook. And what they even give got merit badges. You can get merit Bible merit badges. And I'm just sitting there going, what in the world is this? And I just don't understand it. And what it is, is a combination of let's try to be religious, let's try to be spiritual. Let's be spiritual. 
and let me tout my spirituality. I have seen people that you would assume were extremely humble and yet they had their own little prayer language and they had this little thing going on and all the rest of it and they like to shift into their spirituality. And, and I see it when people come to me and they talk to me and they may meet me on the street or something like that. Not people from the congregation, but people and all of a sudden they find out what I do and they, all, they have this thing where they shift their head kind of like this and they start talking spiritual. Okay, that's, it drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. I don't do that, do I? I don't know. Do I cock them? Oh, Jesus. Um, so, just to summarize these first five verses. If you're not interpreting, you're not edifying. But prophecy is the best edification, and we, our whole goal should be for the edification. So when I think about the gift of tongues, I can say gift of tongues is behind prophecy. It's even behind interpretation. Okay, that's amazing to me because how many people do you see knocking down the door to have the gift of interpretation? I don't see that gift. All right, but everybody wants to speak in tongues. They got them little kids and come out and then march them out. But these first four verses says, you know what? We need to pay attention. Okay, this gift is secondary. It is not useful to the body of Christ. It is not useful for the church. It is not to be used in the church unless there's somebody interpreting. I, I taught that to the, the brethren in Russia uh, on the movement of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And I, I explained to them, they said, well, what? it says here, don't forbid in speaking in tongues. I said, no, don't. That's what the text says. Don't forbid in speaking in tongues. Absolutely. As long as it's interpreted. If it's not interpreted, then what? And all the Russians learned a new American word. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, every one of them, 30 passes, shut up. There you go. That's perfect. <laughs> interpret that thing. Okay, you can just smile at them and say, shut up, and then I shall interpret. <laughs> okay? Why? I believe tongues has ceased. It was assigned to Israel, and it's been fulfilled. There's no need for it in the church. Okay? That's what the text says. I don't think we need it anymore. But I do believe that there was a gift of tongues. Truly a gift of tongues. But I do understand this. God does not use the gift of tongues in the church. Period. When he does, it's interpreted. And if there's nobody interpreted, then what is being spoken is a counterfeit. You got it? I want to be emphatic about this. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. People are running around all over the place telling me they can speak in tongues. And I just smile at them and said, either you got a whole bunch of unbelieving Jews in your church or it's a counterfeit. Well, we don't have any unbelieving Jews. Go to plan B. Okay? It is all right when it is interpreted, but be sure what you're hearing. That's what he says there in the verse 5. Greater is one who prophesied than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the key to it is right there at the end of verse 5. What? The church receive edification. I, I think that that's crucial to the church today. Absolutely crucial. And I, I, I think what has happened is because of a lack of Bible teaching, the church hasn't got a clue what gifts are. That's why when I asked you guys several, well, about a year ago, wasn't it, when we started on spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be unaware about spiritual gifts. I asked yourself a question. Is the church ignorant about spiritual gifts? Everybody said yes. Why is that? Because we don't get preaching. We don't, we have negated the role of prophecy to something we don't really want to sit in. I don't want to hear preaching. All right? And yet, God says, how will they hear without preaching? All right? So we negate this thing to this position, and you can't do that. Why? That's how he said he was going to do it. It would be through preaching. Through the foolishness of preaching, he said. We preach Christ and him crucified, he said. I'm thinking there's a significance in this. What do you think? And I watch people on a regular basis. Do you understand that your gift is for the edification of all of these people? That's what your gift is for. 
All right. Now, if you don't know what your gift is, we can probably go back to plan A. Okay. Because if I pursue love, okay, race after it, pursue it, chase it. Okay. Try to catch it. Literally means to persecute it, run something down and hurt it. I'm going to get after some love here. Okay. If you do that, then part of the outcome will be, I will not be seeking my own. If I am not seeking my own, guess what happens? You will strengthen others. And then the Holy Spirit will be active in your life. He will work through your life in the power that He has given, in the gift that He has given you. And then you will literally begin building people up. And anything that edifies self or is focused on self is either a counterfeit or a prostitution of what God has given us. Okay? It's that simple. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things you do. And thank you, Father, for your gifts. Um, They are overwhelming. And Father, may we cherish what you've given us. And yet, Father, may we not take it for granted. Father, may we not take the church for granted. Uh, And Lord, may we rest in the assurances that you shall build your church and the abode of the dead will not stop it. And Father, we do not need to buy into man's philosophies or systems or methodologies. But Father, we understand that it is through the proclamation of your word that you actually strengthen men and women and children. The Father, you exhort men and women and children and you console all peoples to one event. Father, may we do it in your power. May we do it in your glory. And Father, may we rejoice at the amazing things you do on a regular basis. We praise you and we thank you. We commit it unto you in Christ's name. Amen.